Welcome to He Said, She Said Razor Branding Podcast with Michael Russo and Jackie Russo. To learn more about how to improve your brand, visit brandrusso.com. Hi, welcome to He Said, She Said Razor Branding Podcast. Michael and I are, I don't know if it's delighted, if it's honored, if it's thrilled, if it's all of the above. Our guest today, well, first of all, the Australian accent alone makes it worth sticking around. But the knowledge, the thought processes, the way she handles copywriting, creative, brand building, you know, stick around, people. You were in for a treat. I mean, Michael, don't you think it was just awesome? Yeah, she was great. Um, obviously, very experienced, um, lots of years in the industry. And I think it just provides an insight into the value of really understanding the value of the word, the value of having some strategy and creative. And um, it was just nice. It was a nice conversation. Well, and it's also nice that she and her husband worked together. So we had some commonalities there. But, you know, I don't want to tell Katrina's story for her. Y'all stick around and listen to Katrina McKinnon with Copysmiths.com teach you all the things you need to know about copywriting. So, Katrina, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Jackie. It is such a pleasure to be here with you two delightful humans. Well, for our listeners, if they didn't pick it up during the introduction, um, that is not a Ville Platt accent that they are hearing. What part of Australia are you from? I'm actually from a tiny little town called Moss Vale. So I know down in Louisiana, you've got lots of moss as well hanging in the trees. And so mm. we have yeah. a lot of moss, but it sort of sticks to the rocks and the pavements. But it's a few hours outside of Sydney and outside of our main capital city, Canberra. And um, we live in the uh, like the most beautiful rolling green countryside. Um, and it's, yeah, it's divine. I've been down here for 17 years. That's beautiful. They um one of our daughters spent um some time in Australia on an exchange program, and she was in Perth, I think. Jackie, was that right? I'm originally from Perth, but it's literally the opposite side of the country, and it's dry and hot. Whereas I'm in these like green, gorgeous hills. If you've seen the movie Babe, you know the pig mm-hmm. that talks. Well, that's where I live. Where Babe was shot. So that's the sort of uh, environment that I live in, which is gorgeous. Yeah. Um, I was going to agree with Michael because I feel like that's what I'm supposed to do is support him publicly and then yeah. correct him privately. But um, it was actually Brisbane is where she was. Oh, <laughs> Brisbane. Oh. Okay. So that's the opposite side of the country. <laughs> I don't know why. I thought maybe she went there on a trip or something. No, I don't know. No. You know, Louisiana, no. New York, same kind of thing, same country. Exactly. You know, close. It's close. You know. There's an academy of the Sacred Heart School in Brisbane. And so. That's what we we gave them her for a while. Um, they then paid us to take her back as soon as possible. And then we yeah. took their daughter for a while. It was great. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, but she loved it. I think that she um, she fully appreciated it. It was really cute, uh, I guess, because of the proximity to the equator. They had to wear hats to school every day. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's a beautiful, like the beaches in Brisbane. So, you know, they're, they're famous for the beaches. They're quite close, close enough to the Great Barrier Reef that you can sort of skip up there. So she would have seen some beautiful beaches, sand, white sand, blue mm-hmm. water, lots of turtles and hopefully no sharks. Nope, nope. She did all those things and no sharks. And then they also went to the zoo um, because I guess that wasn't too far from them. And she actually got to meet Steve Irwin's uh, kids because they were at the zoo that day. Wow, Bindi and um, what's the other fellow's name? Uh, Bob, of course. Yes. Yeah, Robert. Um, yes. Yeah, we went to Australia Zoo because it's around that area and it's 
honestly the best zoo experience we've ever had. And this was, you know, after sort of unfortunately after Steve died but um, passed away, but it was still the, the, the what those people put together. I think we were staying quite a, f- a distance away in another town a few hours away and we thought, oh, gosh, you know, we're going to drive all these hours to go to this zoo and, oh, gosh, 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 you know, is this worth the effort? And honestly we got there, spent the whole day, best, one of the best tourist sort of zoo wildlife experiences we've ever had. They're incredible, those people, how they put on the show for everyone. Yeah, no, that's what she said too. She said it was just remarkable. I have some great pictures of her holding different animals and posing with, I think, with Bindi. And um, I don't think the that um, Robert was in it. I think it was another guy. But anyway, uh, just a great experience, the whole thing. So yeah. well, if you two yeah. like to come to my place next time you visit, there are kangaroos at the end of my street. And I'm, I'm not kidding. Like a week ago, I literally, one of the neighbors came around and said, oh, you've got a joey in your back garden. It's been, you know, obviously fallen out of its mother's pouch. And so my children and I, we went up to the back garden. We had a pillow slip. And, you know, it was the size of a cat, maybe a large cat. Oh, no, the size of a cat, like a house cat. And, you know, we went and got a pillow slip and, and you know, it slipped into the pillow slip and we gave it a cuddle and it was the softest, softest little creature. And then we called an organization called Wires and their wildlife rescue and they came and, you know, grabbed it and they feed and will raise it. But, you know, we've got a mob, literally a mob of about 30 or 40 kangaroos, maybe a couple of hundred yards from our door. Like when we catch the bus, you know, the kids catch the bus to school, the kangaroos are just in the paddock. So, you know, you can come over and I'll give you one as a pet. You can take it home. In your luggage. <laughs> I'm not sure that Customs and Immigration would approve of that plan, but I am going to open a second screen once this podcast is over yeah. and start looking for flights because <laughs> that I would love that. Yeah, yeah. No, Customs won't notice. You just pop a hat, pop a hat on the kangaroo and say, you know, this is just my son. He's growing. He's just got long legs. Don't mind the tail. <laughs> well, just in the short few minutes that we've had this conversation, I think I am starting to understand why you have been so successful with copysmiths.com. Um, because if you write in any way nearly as entertaining as you talk, I bet people are lined up for miles to read what you're writing. How did you get into copywriting? Jackie, that's very kind of you, and I can't take uh, all the credit. I've got a wonderful team behind me. Um, but we, the way we got into copywriting is kind of um, a cool little story, and I think that it'll resonate with a lot of listeners. You know, I'm not unusual in any way. I had a client. I was running a web agency for many, many years, Um and one day my back was against the wall. We had this client and they, we had, you know, we had a PPC, you know, pay-per-click campaign going and it was okay. And, you know, we had uh, the website and it was okay. We had social media and it was okay. And and the client said to me, you know, we really need more sales. We've got to grow. We've got to grow. And I just freaked out and was like, I don't know what I'm doing. You know, I'm making this up as I go along. And um, I just thought there's this blogging thing, uh, there's this content thing. And so I literally, literally threw everything at the wall. My arms were flailing around, was slapping around in the wind. And I thought, you know, I just, I'll just write, we'll just create as much content as we possibly can. And, um, so I developed these little processes and systems and we started writing and the client would say, you know, what's, how's things going? And I'd be like, ah, yeah, brilliant, brilliant. It's so good. And, and you know, in the background, I'm, it's like a duck, you know, with the feet paddling underwater madly and it's all serene on top. 
And so um, it came out of a moment of panic where I was running this web agency and I was kind of mediocre at everything. And then I realised after a while we managed to get, um, we managed to move that client from 800 unique visitors a month to around 150,000 unique visitors a month. Yeah, I know. I know in like 14, 15 months. They had they had so much organic traffic coming in that one of their competitors called up and said, look, can we do a deal with you? You've literally taken away all of our um, all of our business because we can't make money anymore because you've taken all of it. And um, you know what it was? It was that I love I love educating people. I love telling them stories and I love making marketing fun. So if your marketing isn't fun, sometimes fun, you can't capture someone's attention because there's so much, you know, overwhelm in marketing. You know, there's so many messages being thrown at us all the time. And so, yeah, my the, the way I built Copysmiths was like came out of this thing where I went, well, I'm kind of mediocre all these other things and yet this was awesome and it works like a works very, very, very well. And so I went, well, let's go all in on this. And so other people started asking us just for that type of work because they would come in and say, you know, how can I get traffic and sales? And I'd go, well, I'm kind of really average at pay-per-click, but I'm really good at this other thing if that's what you want. So, yeah, that's kind of how it came about. Michael, I expected to jump in because this is where he usually is like, wants to talk about the writing process because he's the writer. But I think oh, you yeah, lulled right. him into a trance. He's you like know, taking I, it all in. I was just thinking, I mean, you had me thinking back. I'm like, you know, we kind of went yeah. on the same journey. And, you know, we we started out as a traditional ad agency and we were doing all this stuff. And it just seemed like everything was the same. And it was, yeah. you know, it was like, yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, we're doing it and it's fine. I mean, you kept saying that over and over and I'm like, okay, yeah, totally nodding my head. Like, yeah, I, I get that. It's like, cause there's so much mediocrity out there. I think we're living in the age of mediocrity. There's so much content. There's so much uh, people trying to push content. Content is the key word right now, you know, and then AI is coming on and people just want to flood the market with stuff. And I think if you're able to really talk to people and tell good stories and captivate them and entertain them, um, and we do a lot of B2B work, but we try to push a B2C kind of mentality into a B2B world, because I think that's important. You know, everything, everybody has a story and everybody has something to say. And how do you capture them for that minute, that that second, and just say, hey, hang on, pay attention, remember me somehow, yeah. you know, and I think that's so vital. Yeah, well, the B2B stuff that we did um, was you can still have fun in B2B with content. So one of the things we did was this was a, um, a mileage tracker app that we were working for and um, they were speaking to accountants. Of course, they wanted accountants to use their mileage tracker to recommend to their own customers. You know, people are driving around in their utes. Well, um, I think you would call them trucks in the US, you know, plumbers and electricians. And so what we did was... We made all these downloadables. We made all these templates with, you know, a mileage tracker on, you know, printed paper. But we had a tagline at the bottom that was basically, you know, if you want to keep, you know, filling out this form with a biro, with a pen, you know, you just knock yourselves out. But we've got this mileage tracker over here that'll do it all for you. So you, it doesn't have to just be preaching. You can just give people really helpful things. Another thing we did was we literally made, um, you know, the dashboard lights. So when 
when your truck's about to, you know, give up the ghost and, you know, pull over to the side and burn itself to the ground and all the little red lights flash on the dashboard, um, we made a guide that showed what all those uh, lights meant. And so, again, people... You know, they're often looking for visual resources or they're often looking for um, downloads or PDFs or sort of more different kind of files, different type of assets. They're not always looking for a blog post or a product page or a, some sort of finder tool or a search tool in your, you know, in your website. They're sometimes looking for very simple um, downloadable assets. And we, we borrowed that from the whole Pinterest mob. You know, those people are like big on their downloadables. So um, printables, they call them. So we applied printables to a whole bunch of our business clients. Like we were built, we were creating for another client, we were creating um, first aid signs. Um, so because they sold uh, defibrillators and first aid kits, we literally made signs which had first aid sign is over here to the left, it's over here to the right, it's over here down underneath. We made signs that, um, you know, showed how to use a defib. We, 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 we made signs that were healthy heart posters that you would put in the kitchen, in the workroom, um, the break room of a factory saying, hey, here's some how to take care of your heart to have a healthy heart because, of course, our clients sold defibrillators to human resources officers or facilities managers. So, you know, we, we made all these different fun little printables and things, little bits and pieces, and it just, you know, went gangbusters, flat out like a lizard drinking. That's how busy those websites were with those I assets. It, I think it's important, you know, to we talk about a lot here too, is how do you connect with people, you know, on an emotional level, but it's really showing what, how you can benefit their lives through your product, through your service, like, how can you make their lives easier? How can you enhance what they do? How can you make them more efficient? All those little things that come out of it, you know, and, and it could be in the smallest of places, you know, and you never know where that might be. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, I've got another little story for you um, and you'll really, Michael, you'll really get this. So uh, back in the 80s, we used to paint, draw our logos, right, on a piece of paper with a bit of black ink and then we would use a bromide machine. Do you remember bromide machines? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they were $10,000 machines, right? And you would sit there and it was, it, was, it was enormous. It was the size of a photocopier, right? And you would have to create a negative plate of the logo that you had drawn, you know, all the whiteout inks to keep all the lines, you know, like the whiteout paint, you'd literally have to paint that on um, to get the logo lines really crisp. So you take this negative, you take this photo with the bromide machine, it's a $10,000 machine. You'd then sit there and you would uh, you'd get your logo and you'd send it off to the publishing house. And so a courier in a car would come and get your piece of your negative plate. It would take it to the publishing house and then you'd be able to print your pamphlets and log- um, you know business cards, that sort of thing. That was 1989 that I did that as my work experience in a graphic design studio. 1991, they invented Photoshop. 1993, so four or five years later, Photoshop was then $895. Fast forward today, we have, you could, you could throw a stick down the street and hit a graphic designer. But in 1989, there were no graphic designers around. I had never heard of a graphic designer. You know, they were rare, rare beasts. And so what happens is when technology comes through, and you're talking about that content, and I know AI is a hot topic, but um, when game-changing technology comes through, it doesn't necessarily mean that the quality increases, and that's what you alluded to just a minute ago. So nowadays, because, you know, every man and his dog has Photoshop, we have the internet is flooded with $10 logos. 
And the branding effect of those logos is not a complete package, but of course, you know, people don't know. And a $10 logo, you know, maybe that's okay for a dog walking company for its first week to test the market, but it's really not going to suit IBM or, you know, Google a $10 logo. And it's the same with the AI. What's happened is we've got this technology that's suddenly so affordable and cheap. So now everyone's a a branding expert or a designer or a creative or a writer or a copywriter. Um, But they're producing these $10 logos. They just don't know it yet. And so, yeah, you know, just alluding to that that point you made about um, the quality aspect, you know, content and AI and, you know, how that all works. And the industry changes over time. My God, you're my new favorite person in the world, Katrina. Seriously, <laughs> I, I've, Jackie's groaning right now. It depends on who we have on here. Sometimes it's people that really lean on her side and you are totally yeah. on my team. You're on team Mike right now. And I love it. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I know, and it's not a, um, and that, that's what I'm kind of wrapping my head around and getting more a- adjusted to those things. It, it is a tool. And if it's used properly, it's a great tool. Um, and I remember those days I, I came out of college, right. I remember, um, what was it? Bill Dalton, Jackie, he, he ran mm-hmm. that, that center here where you had to go get plates from him before you went to press and he was the only guy in town. It was, a yes. thing, you know, and you know, those technologies have faded and new things have come on and, and really, you know, all you need is a laptop and a how-to book and you can call yourself an agency and, and do, and do work. What kind of work is that? I mean, that just depends. You know, have you had the time to really kind of learn the, the tools and the trade and all, all those things? But trying to get beyond the expected, you know, we, we call it change the conversation. Like we want to always change the conversation from what the norm is, from what people are already saying. How do we turn it upside down? Because it's all mm-hmm. been said, right? But I don't want to say it the same way. I don't want to say it the same way your competitors are saying it. I want to say it differently. And I want to dig deep enough to understand your audience, to understand the product, to understand how it affects people's lives, and then try to translate that into resonating copy or things that really make sense to people. And I think that's the key. And that's why they're always, at least now, is still a place for people to do that, you know, to dig deeper, to find those those moments where you can shine, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, um, I think that, you know, it's something that everyone recognizes that a McDonald's burger fills a hole in your tummy, but it's not fuel for life. Um, everyone recognizes that a dog can dig a hole, but it's not the way you want to be buried when you die. <laughs> so, you know, there's, I think that stories as well, Mike, I think that stories are very important for, um, t- to help clients understand the differences. Because if you don't know, like, let's say, I don't know, you've been living in the Arctic and, you know, we've been living in Timbuktu and you, you, you arrive in a city and you see a McDonald's and you think, wow, they've got burgers and chips and a, and a milkshake. That's amazing. You know, um, if you've never seen it before, if you're an alien from another planet, you might think, wow, this is a very efficient food, uh, distribution system that the humans have worked out. But after a while, you realize that it cannot possibly sustain you and that it causes all these problems, right? And it's the same with your logo. Like, yeah, you can totally go get a $10 logo and you can like whip out a little brand, you know, tagline with chat GPT. But after, but it, but ChatGPT is the McDonald's of the creative industry. It's just a tool. It's a very efficient tool. It's a very impressive, flashy, shiny tool, but it's not going to sustain you. It has no true true depth or substance. And so, again, like with a logo from, you know, whipped out by Photoshop with a little tagline from ChatGPT, you know, that'll get you by for a week. It's okay for a snack. But if you want to grow a brand, if you want it to have resonance with an audience, if you, you then you have to have a story, you have to have a visual identity guide so that you can, you know, maintain that voice um, so that you can, you know, 
create a connection with the consumers. You have to have someone who really has that innate sense of what it is to connect with other people um, in order to um, grow your business and tell your brand story. I'm not explaining that very well. Maybe you can paraphrase that for me. Jackie? No, I think you're explaining it very well. Um, I'm amused that Michael thinks that it takes, um, or that either one of you think that it takes a laptop and a how-to book because now it takes a phone and Canva account. It has gotten <laughs> to the least common denominator possible. Like it, it requires no investment. And so if we go back in time and look at the 80s with these massive, I mean, $10,000 in 89 is probably what, $150,000 oh, yeah. now? Yeah. Very good um, point. Yeah, very good point. Yeah. And so, I mean, today's dollars, that's 10 computers, but in yesterday's dollars, that's like a house, an office, mm. and three people for a year. I mean, you know, that's just a lot. And mm. so, when I think about that, there's, I'm always on that fine line of there's something to be said for a barrier to entry. Mm. Barriers to entry aren't all bad. Sometimes barriers to entry require um, there to be higher quality because just by default, there's less quantity. Uh, mm. At the same time, would we have an agency if we had to make that kind of an investment to get up and running? I don't know. Maybe not, you know, because we did it on sweat equity for the first 20 years. Mm. Uh, and so, you know, I, there, no bank would have loaned us money for us to open an ad agency. Um, so, you know, I, I see both sides of it. I personally believe the um, new technology is good. Not because it takes our place or takes anybody's place, but because it's another tool in the tool belt. I need screwdrivers and hammers. Yeah. And so when I look at chat GBT, it's just another tool in the tool belt. Yeah, I think so. But it's also um, the tool belt, the, the, the tool in the tool belt needs to be used by a professional. So I'll give you two examples. Yes. Um, yeah. So, you know, like uh, I'm sure you've encountered this before. You have a client and they come along and they say, you know, I just love, I love this uh, color uh, brown. I really love this color brown because, um, you know, I, I run a landscape company. Uh, I want to build my business. This is the brown. I've, I've mocked up my logo and I want to use this. And so, of course, off they go on their merry way for 10 years and they build up their brand. And then one day Hershey's comes knocking on the door and says, yeah, I know you love that brown color that you picked from our website, but it's actually a trademark. And so a branding agency can um, stop those problems from occurring at the very beginning because you have that knowledge at the very, very beginning. And it's the same in our industry with copywriting. Um, we know how to, so we've got clients that, um, well, we've got not our clients, but people will produce content on mass with ChatGPT or whatever, or even on just their own graphic, their own writer in their team. Now, with professionals, we know the, the tricks and the hooks to make a, a piece of content compelling from the very, very beginning. We've seen it all. So we know, for example, that if you put a statistic in the beginning, you know, of your introduction, 49% of, uh, you know, clients don't know that they're choosing the wrong Pantone color. Um, these statistics are such a trope. They're such a, they're, everyone does it that it's boring. And so then you have effectively wasted your investment in your entire article because no one's going to read that article. Whereas at Copysmiths, we know how to tell a story. We know how to engage from the very beginning of that article so that the rest of the article is actually read. We know how to move someone through that article so that they read your article. They read that piece of content. Now, 
if you, you so being experts in our respective fields, we know the trip-ups. We know the things that are going to cause problems in the future because we've seen them before and that's what you pay us for. And we also know how to get your job started um, right from the very beginning so that there's engagement, so that you don't have to figure out all the lessons along the way. So, yeah, those are two little stories that, you know, we've encountered. And, you know, so the tools are fine, but who's using the tool? Yeah, I mean, there's there's challenges with all that. I'm, I've just got an email from a, um, with some changes to something that I just sent out, and and they the client kind of rewrote everything that we had done, and they put it back into the language that they already had, basically, versus yeah. what we had changed it from. And it's comfort level for them, you know, that they yeah. want, you know, I don't want to lose this because that's part of who they are, and not being able to, and I'm going to write it back and say, this is why we did this. And we'll go back and forth and we'll see who, who wins that, 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 that battle. But at the same time, it's like, you have to get out of your comfort zone sometimes and trust somebody else kind of outside the bubble that, that may have a different look at it and may understand more about not just your industry, but how the world's going to receive that message in that industry, you know? Yeah, I think we're stewards for other people's brands, for other people's identity as well. And it's a bit like, you know, personally, I outsource my kids to teachers. You know, I outsource them to a school on a daily basis because those people have been to university, they've studied, they are interested in teaching, um, they have all the equipment, all the tools, and so I trust them. I, you know, occasionally check in and we get a report card or we have meetings with the teachers to say, oh, you know, how's, how's you know, Adele or Max going? But I inherently, because I've chosen to send them to school. I trust them to be a steward of that process. And so I think that the best clients that we work with, uh, they inherently trust us to be stewards of their brands um, and to, uh, to, have to, to have that voice for them and to craft that voice for them and to care for that voice. But because you can't see a brand, you can't touch it. Like you can see your child growing. You can ch- see your child thriving. These are these intangibles. And so, yeah, get, gaining that client trust, you know, they're always asking for case studies. You know, what have you done before that's been successful? And it's kind of like, well, yeah, but, um, you know, sometimes I, we have, I, in my mind, I have a conversation where clients will say, well, I want to be successful. I want to, want to sell millions of these things. And I sort of say, yeah, but you have an ugly baby. You know, there's nothing I can do about that. <laughs> you know, I'll do my best, but I can't guarantee sales because your baby's ugly. So, yeah, there's that too. I love that. I want to sound bite that out. You have an ugly baby. And when you said <laughs> no, it, was don't, don't sound bite that out. I'll sound, you know, out of context. I'll sound like a mean. I'll sound so mean and horrible. But. You know what's playing in his head right now is the dingo got my baby. I can't do the accent, but you know that's on a loop right now in Michael's mind. Um, You know, the ugly baby thing happens pretty regularly because there are all of these stories um, that the Internet continues to perpetuate about how Mm -hmm. somebody was able to 4X their ROI and 10X their growth. And so now all of a sudden everybody expects those kinds of returns on their investment, that kind of rapid growth. And yet – they aren't different. They look the same. They sound the same or worse. They're ugly. And so how do you tackle that? I mean, do you just straight up say your baby's ugly or do you have some really tactful ways of expressing to them um, how hard the job is going to be to make them look good? 
I never think that the jobs are hard because we love our work. Like, and I'm sure you're exactly the same. The job's never hard. Like, we absolutely love it. We we do really, really good work. Um, I think when when people say that to me, when they say, you know, well, what can you do for us, and are you going to make money? And like, content is the worst worst thing for a you know an accurate ROI um, and so I floundered with this you know conversation for many years but now I just straight out say no uh, where it's not going to be successful for you it won't be successful <laughs> because you will um, and I say to them I say because they'll be like you know when when can we expect results and I say probably never um, so I lower all the expectations. I say probably never. Um, there'll be something dumb that you've done in your past with backlinking or some SEO has done something stupid in the past, which means that there are the breaks are on your website. Um, you might fail before content starts to work because um, when uh, it takes a long time for content to work, you'll see a blip maybe in three or four months if you've got a domain rating of about 10 or 15. Um, if you've got a domain rating of 35 plus, then you might see a blip in three weeks, four weeks. But what I say to people is I say, um, you can, like, when content works, you know it works. It's like slapping you in the face with a wet fish. You know that that's just happened to you. And you can see it. You can very tangibly see it because you suddenly go, my God, I've got all this organic content coming in. People are talking about me. My brand is now being searched. So when you have a really good steward of your brand for, like, visuals, for content, for tone of voice, all of this sort of stuff, it, your brand, your key, the, the number of times your brand name as a keyword starts being searched increases over time. And, you know, it, it takes time. And so, and there are plenty of stories out there from businesses who have this insulating layer of organic traffic that makes money for them. The entire affiliate industry wouldn't exist if organic traffic didn't make money. You know, these these people, are, as you say, you know, there's always these narratives, these stories of, oh, yeah, I made, you know, $300,000 in my sleep last night by selling a fidget spinner. And, um, you know, so those that it does happen, but I'm not the one to convince people. And so when people come to me, if they don't believe that content is going to work, I am literally not going to sit there and tell them and try to convince them otherwise because if you think that McDonald's is like a great Friday night treat for your kids, you know, if you believe that um, Coca-Cola is like a refreshing drink at the end of the day, you know, I can't, I can't go against the behemoths of those marketing machines and convince them otherwise. And you know what the behemoth is in our business, in our industry? It's Google. Google and Facebook spend billions of dollars telling everyone that paid advertising works. And it does, right? It does work because they've made it work. But is it good for you in the long run? Does it give you a competitive moat that no one else can beat? Does it does it um, create true resonance with your brand? Does it give you a fifty year business that you can pass on to your kids? It doesn't. It's a spinning wheel. It's it's got a it's got a it's got a hamster in a wheel, and you've got to as long as you're spinning the wheel, you're getting traffic. But as soon as that wheel stops spinning, all your traffic, all your advertising, like all your customers, you know, they they fade away. And so again. We, we've got this conversation. I belong to a community called ecommercefuel.com, incredible community. We've got a few people in the community who are saying, oh, my goodness, you know, sales are driving up, you know, driving up. The economy's really bad. Um, you know, what do I do? A few people have popped in and said, well, I get most of my businesses from organic traffic, from content, so I don't have any problems. 
because they've surrounded, they've got this insulating layer around them where paid, paid click, you know, paid um, media doesn't work and the branding. So the other people in the community who've got a really strong brand, who've got a voice, who have an identifiable, you know, visual, uh, you know, conversation with the internet, you know, their, their visuals are strong. Again, they don't have these problems. So, you know, Jackie, like I'm, I cannot, I cannot compete with the narrative of Meta, Facebook, Google that paid clicks work. And so when people come to me, I say, no, it won't, it won't work for you because you will give up too soon because you don't believe, you believe that McDonald's is a good snack. You have not worked out that, you know, eating right is the way to, I don't know, you know, I'm using these analogies, but yeah, people haven't worked it out. And I, you know, I don't need to convince them. That's the other thing is they'll work it out and then they come back. And that's it right there. You don't need to convince them. It's about a good match. And so when yeah. we have alignment, when the client believes as the agency believes and they're aligned, they're going to be able to move mountains together. But when you have that misalignment, there's no amount of explaining that's going to turn them into a believer. No. And that's why it's wonderful. You know, you'll know it yourselves. Like when you work with a CMO, um, you know, chief marketing officer who's been around the block a few times, um, they will literally say to you, yep, okay, I want you to do my branding, um, roll everything out, let's go. And they don't interfere because they know they know they've chosen you for a reason and they'll tweak and they'll say, oh, yeah, we, we missed this part of the voice. I forgot to tell you about this audience or I forgot to mention this. And they will tweak. And our, our, our best clients are exactly the same. They just let us keep rolling along. And every so often they come back and they go, oh, my God, I cannot believe that we've got all this traffic now. I can't believe. And then I, I literally say to them, okay, now your biggest problem is you've got to hire someone new into your team who can work out what to do with all these people who are clamoring for your brand. You've got to get an email marketing campaign going. You've got to work out, you know, how to, um, you know, retention strategies within your website. So they have a whole new set of problems, but they're the best kinds of problems. Yeah, that's exactly it. You know, as you start to think about your role, you know, because I see some um, people try to segment it into different pieces. They're going to carve out these two pieces for themselves and the rest of that's going to be over there. And then some, eh, unlike in both of our early days where we were just kind of trying to do everything for everybody, figure out our niche, I yeah. still see sometimes a little bit of, of um, overlap. So what do you do? Do you say, okay, listen, when you're ready for the content, here I am. And then after that, go away. Or do you try to corral it all together so that you can make sure it gets done the way that you envision it being done when you plan it out? So we um, have an educational series uh, for all our clients. So as soon mm -hmm. as you become a client of ours, we literally show you all the things that you can do to leverage our content. Um, you know, there's, there's loads of things and they're very simple things that can be done by your existing web development teams. Most of our clients are in the sort of the, the, the I'd say the two to three million to sort of $20 million range. So they usually have some resources in their teams as far as, you know, web mm -hmm. developers go or um, other marketing people go, you know, in their teams. And so we're able to have a conversation and as soon as we say, oh, you must do you must do this, this is a best practice, because all these things are on the internet, they're all best practice. Um, you know, we, we say things like um, because content often goes hand in hand with link building. 
And so we often get asked, you know, how, what do I do for my SEO? And I say, well, you've got to work with these guys. So, you know, you've got to work with Jeff at 180 Marketing, for example. Um, they will sort out all your link building or all your technical SEO because we're not experts at that, but you definitely need to do that in order to have our stuff um, be very effective. It is always, um, you know, a holistic view, you know, to grow a brand, to grow a business very steadily, you do need, um, you know, like, like everything in place, not just one or two things. Cause you know, if you grow just by a TikTok, for example, and you, you don't have a really great robust website, um, as soon as TikTok stops working, then your business falls over and then you freak out and lose your mind. And then, you know, you have to go and live as a hermit on a little cave on the side of a mountain somewhere down in Louisiana and get Uber Eats delivered on a fortnightly basis. I like the idea of mountains in Louisiana for the hermit cave, but flat, flat, flat land. So the whole plan falls apart right there. Okay. A little swamp. Go find yourself a cottage and a little swamp. There you go. A little swamp (laughs) hut would be good. Michael, I mean, you feel like that kind of aligns with your thoughts too? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think the challenges that, that that we have, I'm sure you have as well, is, you know, again, Jackie's right. You got to find people that believe in you and your process and trust you. The trust is a huge factor. Um, I think, you know, right away if it's going to be, you know, short term or long term, because we we present, I think, good ideas and, and good avenues. And we have several clients now that they're kind of on the fence. You know, they incorporate some, but not all. And they're, they're kind of dipping their toe in the water. And um, And the ones that are jumping in in the deep end which we've had for years on retainer and it's been great relationships. Um, it just continues to thrive, you know, and, and I wish that there was a, you know, sometimes you can, you can try to convince them as much as you can and, and believe and um, go back to the well as much as you can. But, but at some point it's like, you have to kind of cut your losses or say, you know what, this is, this is what it is. We're gonna do the best job we can with what we have until you decide, you know, and we've gotten to a place as an agency where we've been around long enough to where we can kind of, um, not pick and choose, but try to find the best players for us, the best fits, the best relationships. And um, Jackie and your team do a really good job of that, trying to find those people um, because they don't always fit. They don't always align. You know, sometimes they're looking for, you know, the prettiest girl in the room versus, you know, who's going to wine and dine me and who's going to, you know, oh yeah, go, go this route versus really kind of just having a conversation, you know? Okay, so I'm a little more brutal. It sounds like I'm a little more brutal than you guys. Um, you might be whining and dining, whereas I tell people no. So I, so one of the things that's happening at the moment is if, you, if you, you've, got, you've got, you know, if you've paid any attention to the internet in the last 10 years, you can see the narrative that Google is saying. So Google says um, experience, expertise, authority, trust. There's this theme. They've continually talked about it. They've said create a genuine brand, create a genuine business, create an authentic business, create an authentic connection with your customers. Um, yeah, and the authority. algorithm, sorry, say again. Be an authority. You want to be, they want authority yeah. figures. Yeah. You want to be an authority, but you also want to be an authentic authority. And now what the algorithm is doing, and especially with the advent of AI, everyone, everyone who has an authentic brand with an authentic voice is going to win because the AI has now spewed out all this inauthentic content um, because people are lazy. And so it has now gotten so much easier for a brand to uh, create an authentic 
um, voice and Google's algorithm is going to preference it. So Google has come out and it says it's basically going to, for a little while it was going to penalize AI um, content. And this, this includes logos that are created with AI. This includes, you know, photos that are created with AI. I was going to penalize it. But now what I think it's going to do is I think it's going to ignore it because it doesn't want to be the, sna- the snake, the snail, that'll be funny, the snake eating its own tail. So if you, you can easily imagine, easily imagine that all the engineers at Google are saying, well, we don't want to just ingest our own dog food. We don't want to be the snake that eats the tail because we'll learn nothing new and we won't have a competitive um, moat against our other AI, you know, competitors. So we want to find new ideas. We want to find new products. We want to find new narratives. We want to find new stories. We want to find new facts, new brands, new voices. And so it makes perfect sense that if you create a unique voice with a unique story and unique narrative and unique facts and new, new product, you're going to be noticed by these huge LLMs, these huge AI models and Google. If you use AI to just generate fluff and, you know, regurgitate, you know, everything the same that everyone else is doing, Google is going to make your website go quiet. And so again, like, Mike, I think I'm a little more brutal. I don't sort of wine and dine people. I just say, you know, like, you know, if someone, if someone doesn't, if someone hasn't been paying attention, if they, ha- like, if they haven't been paying attention to what's going on the internet, um, I'm, I'm not the person to push that elephant up the hill. You know, like there are, there are plenty of people who recognize um, that what's happening in the industry with Google and they also then appreciate our work. They understand how hard it is. So we have people who come to us, they've tried to run their own content teams in-house. They know how brutally hard it is to get quality content. They can see everything that's happening on the internet, you know, and same with your, your stuff. They can see a $10 logo from a mile away. And so we just make sure that when people come to us, we say, you know, this this is what it is. This is what it is. And if you disagree with us, we're not really going to be in the business of convincing you. But they generally come back. You know, it's interesting to me, at least, when I think about, I think our philosophies are incredibly well aligned. And I think about how our businesses kind of similarly got started. And I know we mm-hmm. talked about this a little bit um, off camera off recording beforehand. Um, But I would love to, now that we're this far into it, circle back to that. So you didn't seem at all surprised when Michael explained that we work together because you also have spent some time working with your husband. I know that we've got a pretty loyal listenership who are family, at least, if not spouses, running businesses together. Talk about that experience. Oh, the best thing ever. So um, (laughs) my husband was actually uh, my graphic designer. So at the time, you know, I was running my own agency and um, we, I needed a new graphic designer and there's this flatmate. And I was like, well, he's rather nice. And so um, I said to him and he had just, he just, he just finished up uh, working for someone else and he was out on his own. And I thought he's very, very good at this de- design thing, and he is. He's truly brilliant at graphic design. Very, he does. He's does this very clean corporate style, and um, he was so good. And he had all these clients, and he's like, "Oh, you know." And I said, "Well, I'll be your client." So I said, oh, "I'll pay you a little bit more." I said, "What's your hourly rate?" And so I, I paid him a little bit more than the other clients were paying him. And then my strategy, my cunning plan. Wait, so you paid your husband? Please don't oh, tell yeah. mine that. <laughs> no, 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 no. 
Yeah, you yeah. were about to upset no, no, my apple cart. No, no. no, no ma'am. Jackie, sorry. No, no. Continue. Just, just, just in the early days. Just in the early days. Oh, okay. Just to get his all attention. Right, all right. All right. Yeah, you got, you, right. got, you got to pay these people to get their attention. And then what my cunning plan, my cunning strategy was, I dominated his time so much with work that he had to give up all his other clients. And then I said to him, well, you may as well just bring your laptop over to my office. And um, and so then, you know, there's this delightful story of we, you know, gradually connected and we had these amazing chats together and he got very nervous and would sort of, you know, be leaning on the table next to me chatting and then he'd accidentally fall. You know, there's literally, literally he would, one day he slid his arm off the table and knocked all the pens off and it was very embarrassing and he said he just wanted to crawl into a hole and die. But anyway, one day, you know, my business pass- partner kissed me and I sort of thought, well, <laughs> you know, I, like my head was not in that frame at all. But we worked together. I'm going to say we worked together for probably 20 years. And people would say to me, how do you stand? Like, how can you work with your partner? And, you know, you live with him, you work with him. And I was like, well, you know, we we are aligned. We we enjoy each other's company. We um, we have, you know, we're working on a project together. We've got a shared vision. Um, we've got a shared vision for what we want for our children and our lives. We we also at the time were living in, you know, the rat race in the city. Um, we had, you know, oh, this is a fun story. I was driving up the road one day, well, living with my husband. I was driving up the road one day and I lived in this really fancy little suburb called Elizabeth Bay in the city. And I was driving up the road and I, I had my little European car. I had my $300 suede jacket. I had my $200 sh- boots on. I had my, you know, $300 hair cut with my, you know, my, you know, the, the fancy sort of what do you call them, like the, the threads in your hair, all this sort of stuff. And um, I had my Bluetooth earpiece and I was going to my agency in Paddington, this very posh suburb in um, Sydney. And I was driving up the road and please excuse my language, but I said, when did I, when exactly was the moment that I turned into a wanker? Like when, when did that actually happen that I am this person? So then I went home to Jules, my gorgeous husband, and I said, I've turned into this tosser, you know, this person that's like, you know, got a fancy agency in Paddington. So anyway, we threw it all out and um, drove two hours. We thought, well, well, let's just drive two hours out of the Sydney. And we went north and we didn't like the north and we went west we didn't like the west and we ended up south in this gorgeous town um called Mossvale, and we literally just drove there and we got out of the car and we went this will do so we you know got rid of the fancy apartment we got rid of the fancy agency we got rid of all the fancy clients all the blue chip clients got rid of all of them got rid of all the staff um you know all my team now are in kenya um, you know, maybe that's a conversation for another time, but all my team now are in Kenya. Um, they're the most incredible people to work with. So maybe that's a conversation for another time. But my husband and I, we made those decisions together and I could not do what I do without him. And, you know, now he's a painter, he's a full-time artist, but, um, and I pushed him again, I pushed him out of the business because he was like, you know, oh, I've got to be there to support you. You know, we've been joined at the hip for years. And um, and I was like, no, it's time for you to do your thing and I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be totally okay by myself doing my thing again. So, yeah, that's the story in a roundabout way. I keep waiting for Jackie to push me out. I'm, I'm waiting for that <laughs> um, any day now. Like, hey, you, you don't have to work anymore. You can go be a painter. Yeah. You don't have to, don't have to grind out. But um, I think we're still still in the thick of it. So. You have to replace yourself first. That's the thing. Right now, you still do the work here. I could leave tomorrow and I don't even think y'all would notice, but you still have value. I don't know. That's debatable. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, we're, we've always been working partners. So, um, you know, we're, you know, we run things, but we're also doing the, the daily grind too. We're in the trenches with, with our team and and still doing the, the grind of the work. And I guess we're on the, the, the side where we're kind of trying to figure out not necessarily an exit strategy, but how do we, you know, make duplicate ourselves, you know, to where there's more of us doing the work. And, um, and that's always a challenge. Most, most of the businesses we work with have the same challenges when they have, you know, um, single leadership or, um, you know, a single thought leader, basically, you know, how do they replicate themselves and how do they start to kind of make their team as valuable as they are to the public, even though they may have people just as valuable behind the scenes, what they're only, the only thing they're seeing is that they're dealing with, which is either Jackie or I, you know. So the way I did it was I literally, um, we have uh, training. So I've written out training. So so let's say we write, an, we, we write articles, for example, we write content. Um, what I've done is I've broken that process down into about five different roles. So we have one person that I have taught with training, written training and screencasts. I have taught a couple of people, two people, two or three people, how to do strategy. Because, you know, I, I, you know, I steer the ship a little bit, but I'm not that involved. They can literally do a strategy. And then what happens is I've got another person who I've taught how to do uh, keyword research. And again, that person does that. Then there's another person who literally creates the draft, the structure of the content. And then we have another person who does the writing. We have another person who's an editor. We have another person who's a quality checker, another person who's a publisher. We have, I have broken down our work into... Um, micro steps and then I've taught people how to do that step deeply and brilliantly. So finding a unicorn that can produce um, exceptional content is really hard and they're very, very expensive humans and they get exhausted um, and you'll you know, resonate with this, Michael, like they get exhausted, they get tired and um, they don't want to do it anymore. And they need a break. They need a two-week break to recover or they just simply burn out. Whereas when you break down um, this process, so we literally have broken down everything and you wouldn't know, you know, you know when, like I tell people, of course, but you wouldn't know it when you look at our content and the complexity of the work that we can produce and the quality level. And what I've done is I've got uh, I've got a group in, um, I'm the admin for a Facebook group in Kenya with 35,000 freelancers. In Kenya, a huge proportion of the population have a university education. They're also highly unemployed. So we have people in our team who are poets, engineers, lawyers, doctors. Um, we also have teachers, stay-at-home mums, all of this sort of stuff. But they're very intelligent people with exceptional educations. And what we do is we um, teach them this one component of our business and they do it exceptionally well. And we have training, you know, screencasts, as I say. And we um, and so subsequently, you know, we, you know, at one point, you know, we, you know, we've, we've had a team of 40 to 50 people just working in this process and, you know, we, we produce that work because we've, we've also sort of, to a slight extent, we've, we've productized our, um, our service. So you can't come to us and get a custom service. We don't charge anyone by the hour. We just say, well, it, it's a batch of this kind of work. It's this work that we do. It's a package of this work. And then if you want to sort of, you know, level up, then there's this package or this package or this package. Um, 
And so we've productized it to a certain extent. So if someone wants to, you know, they want to sort of write a press release and they want to go back and forth with the writer a million times and decide whether, you know, the Oxford comma is going to be used or let's say in your case, you know, well, if someone wants the pixel moved to the left um, by, you know, three points, um, you know, they want the logo, sorry, the logo moved to the left by a few pixels. Um, we just don't do that kind of work. We just say, well, no, um, we offer an affordable service and so that you, you can't move the logo a few pixels to the left. You can't discuss with us whether an Oxford comma is going to be used. Um, if this is just the way it is. This is the best practice. This is what we know works. If you want that kind of level of control, well, then there's an hourly copywriter over here and we'll recommend you to them. And you can go back and forth and knock yourself out, you know, um, play around. But we produce this at an affordable rate to a very high quality level um, and it's produced by a team of deep experts in just their one field. So that's how I've done it. I love that. Uh, you know, agencies in the U.S. still stay very hourly based, uh, but we've been on that project uh, flat fee model for 20 years now and I prefer it so much more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just better all the way around. Um, Katrina, I was shocked to look up and realize that we've been talking now for an hour because I don't know how that's possible. This has been so delightful. Um, I have gone ahead and made our reservation. So Mike and I will be visiting you soon. I'll send over the details. Um, but seriously, this has been amazing. When's the next time you're coming to the States so we can have you come visit us in Louisiana? Well, in actual fact, um, I was I, I came to Savannah a few years ago. So okay. Um, I don't quite have your collection of um, lanyards, but I do <laughs> actually come and speak in the US occasionally. Every couple of years, I come and speak at the e-commerce fuel conference. So, um, you know, because that's, you know, just the best, best bunch of people. But so I do come over occasionally, um, but maybe that's something I need to do more often. Yeah, I know. I know. I think so. Now's the time. Uh, yeah. We'll have to get you booked for a conference here and then get me booked for a conference there and we can hang out. It'll be awesome. Yeah, awesome. it'll be fabulous. Um, yeah. How can the people find you? Because you dropped a lot of knowledge and a lot of things that they need to join, uh, groups they need to belong to, things they need to read. Tell them all the stuff. Okay, so uh, copysmiths.com, if you just come to our website and noodle around, you'll find all sorts of things and we take you on all sorts of fun adventures there. Um, I'm also just mainly on LinkedIn, so I tend to ignore Twitter or X as it's called at the moment, um, Facebook and all those sort of places. But um, if you're looking for staff um, for your team, if you look up, uh, if you Google remarkable freelancers of Africa, um, you will find the Facebook group that I'm an admin for. And again, there are so many wonderful people in that group who are highly educated, very unemployed, and they're looking for work. So that's uh, another thing. And just to give you a bit of context, um, to hire someone full-time in Kenya with a university education um, is around about uh, 600 US a month. Yeah. And they literally, they'll have comms degrees. So these people, like if you're in your field particularly, you know, they have communications degrees. They'll have master's. Um, in communications and marketing, and um, there's 600 US a month, and that's uh, that's actually an exceptionally good wage. So we we tend to pay us uh, we tend to pay seven to eight hundred Australian a month, um, which uh, but again that's I've got I've asked uh, I've asked a thousand people whether let's say 600 US a month is a good wage, and they tell me it's about two to three times what they would earn at. Uh, home at, in back in Kenya. So um, I want to encourage everyone that that's a, a very affordable 
um, source of incredible talent. And so if you just search for Remarkable Freelancers of Africa, you will find that group and I'll welcome you in. I'm one of of the admins, so um, I'll welcome you, you in. That's amazing. Like I can't even get my head around that level of talent at that price. Um, get ready to have some conversations with my team about some salary adjustments. <laughs> exactly. Well, I'm really happy to come on talk about it another time. Like if that's useful for your listeners, because um, again, like we've got one fellow I know, um, his accountant keeps calling him up every year and says, "Are you sure that are you sure that the wage for this person is um, forty thousand a year? We forty thousand dollars a year. We pay all the other programmers one hundred and forty thousand a year." And Carson just says, yep, that's, that's his full-time wage. And he's, and Carson told me at a recent conference, he said, he's one of the best employees he's ever had. And he's a fellow in Kenya, in Nairobi. And, um, 40,000 US a year is an extraordinary way. He's the richest man in his town. Um, and he loves his work. Their, his work ethic, you know, everyone on my team, the work ethic is unbelievable. Like, uh, it's a real community. It's, they're, you know, the amazing culture. And beautiful people and, you know, anyway, so, you know, again, it's very affordable and um, the problem is that the Kenyans, they can't really uh, get online work. It's very difficult for them to get access to Upwork and these other platforms because of um, sort of government sort of issues. Um, but, again, we can I can come on and just help all your listeners understand how to offshore and use that really effectively and, you know, all that sort of stuff. So maybe a chat for another time. That sounds awesome. We're going to have to make that happen. Katrina, thank you for your time. Everyone listening, thank you for listening for your time. And uh, make sure you follow Katrina in all the places. Go check out coffeesmiths.com and then hire some Kenyan copywriters that she has trained. And uh, check us out next episode. Uh, Thank you all for being a part of He Said, She Said, Raise Your Branding Podcast. Thank you for having me. 